Today is November 13th, 2020. Trump is finding himself increasingly short of options in his effort to prove fraud. The coronavirus is up, again, and a new social media app takes the conservatives by storm. Welcome back, Split the Difference friends and Split the Difference family. We got a great show for you today here on this spooky Friday the 13th. Only a couple weeks here after Halloween, we already got a Friday the 13th. Whew, 2020 is just getting spookier by the minute, y'all. I got a fresh haircut and I'm ready to bring you all the good stuff from the left side of the aisle and all the good stuff from the right side of the aisle. We're going to try our best to find the good and the bad on both sides. Split the difference and find the middle where the truth oftentimes lies. We're going to do our best to stay level-headed. We're going to be reasonable. We're going to split the difference. And we're going to figure out what's going on in this crazy world right now. Because there is plenty of things that we can look at and say, Man, things are getting pretty crazy out there. But we know that everything's going to be just fine because we're bringing you all the best insights here on Split the Difference Podcast. So with all of that having been said, let's jump on into our first story of the day, story number one. So in our first story, uh, it's around Trump kind of increasingly finding himself short of options in terms of fighting back the fraud, the rampant fraud that was just sweeping the nation on Election Day, Tuesday, November the 3rd. All of this fraud that Trump has been claiming, none of which he's been able to prove. So, uh, slowly but surely, Trump has been filing all of these lawsuits all across the country. I believe right now he has filed 17 total cases. A lot of them are in the swing states, so you're going to see stuff in Arizona, Nevada, Michigan, Wisconsin, Georgia, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, all the big swing states that he feels like he should have won. Trump and his lawyers are going through and just filing case after case. He currently has 17 active cases that I know of, but I believe he's actually filed more than that. And there are plenty of people that are Trump supporters that are actually filing cases that aren't just the Trump team. So I believe there were 15 additional cases filed just in Pennsylvania um, by people that are close to Trump or I guess thinking that Trump won. Pretty interesting stuff. I mean, nothing wrong with that. They want to file cases. They can file cases unless it gets to the point where, you know, judges start to deem it as being, uh, I guess, over the top uh, or filing too many cases. There's nothing wrong with them doing that. If they feel like fraud has happened, then that is their legal right to try and go and fight it in the courts. I think it's great. So the most notable cases are Arizona. Uh, Trump is trying to prove, uh, basically wants to be able to get a manual inspection because he believes that there have been thousands of ballots that were done with a Sharpie. Uh, and maybe we're not counted properly. So he believes his argument right now, and I guess it isn't funny because it actually is going on right now, but Trump is going in and trying to prove in Arizona that a bunch of people took their ballots with Sharpies, and as a result, tens of thousands of ballots weren't counted. Pretty pretty far stretch there, Trump. So in Georgia, says that votes weren't counted properly, went in, filed some cases. Uh, both Actually, both of the Republican uh, senatorial, or I guess the Republican candidates in the senatorial races in Georgia have called on the Republican attorney general to step down because they're saying 
he did not run the election properly. A uh, bunch of people are saying that the Georgia race is just not, you know, it's not going well. It didn't go the way that they thought that it should. Georgia has not gone for a Democrat, I believe, since 1992. So it is a huge flip for the Democrats, if you know, and it's looking like it is. But right now, uh, Joe Biden is up by 14,000 votes in Georgia. I still haven't called it. And uh, the the Republicans, basically the, the officials there, the head dogs in Georgia came out and said that they're going to go through and do a full recount by hand in Georgia. So that's actually not going to get done until November 12th or no, 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 I'm sorry, November 20th, which is a week from today. So we're not going to know any answer from Georgia for a little while, but it's looking like Biden won it. Biden probably won it. Uh, he's got another case in Michigan, uh, basically claiming that they counted illegal and ineligible votes, uh, mainly based on a lot of this is based upon the fact that uh, there were a bunch of poll workers that were seen wearing uh, Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter face masks and shirts. So that's where a lot of that started. Um, and then in Pennsylvania, he's actually sued to stop the certification of results, uh, to end the certification in Pennsylvania. So that way they can't say whether or not Trump has lost. And all of it is based upon, based upon, you know, there were, you know, he should have won more or, or he should have won, you know, more counties should have gotten more votes. All of it is kind of honestly feeble attempts. In a lot of cases, judges are pretty much just looking at it and just throwing the cases out. They're dismissing them. They're not even letting them in actually to be kind of like fought out within the court. So Trump does not have a lot of strong cases here. So what are both sides saying about this? Because honestly, both sides are somewhat split on some things. They're kind of together, I guess, on the same page on other things. So the left. The left is doing what they normally do when Trump is, I guess, raising, raving, waving his arms around or when Trump is doing anything at all. The left is claiming that Trump is obviously the worst person that has ever walked the earth. So here's Jim Clyburn. He's a Democrat. Um, he uh, on CNN, this is actually on CNN, uh, comparing Donald Trump and uh, Donald Trump, uh, what Donald Trump is doing right now to what Hitler did in the 1930s. Pretty, pretty fair stuff, right? Wouldn't you say? And then I've been telling people for a long time now, I'm beginning to see what happened in Germany back in the 1930s. I, I never thought that could happen in this country. Uh, how do you elect a person president, then all of a sudden uh, give him the authority to be dictator? That's what we're teetering on here. Uh, that's what Hitler did in Germany. He was elected chancellor. And then because he uh, successfully discredited the news media, took over the churches. I cannot see that happening here. It may happen, but if it did, uh, that means uh, that the American people are much more or less, I should say, uh, intelligent uh, than I uh, think they are. Uh, so that's Jim Clyburn basically being like, obviously, Donald Trump is like Hitler. How have we not seen this before? Oh, gosh. And it, it, Donald Trump is obviously right now trying to take over the entire country. He's trying to destroy a democracy. And it's clear that if you support Donald Trump, then you're just an idiot. You're just less intelligent than I originally thought that you would be. It's just incredible coverage there by CNN. And Chris Cuomo, <laughs> who is the anchor there, he's basically just like nodding his head like, oh, yeah, okay, that sounds good. Unbelievable. So um, there's nothing new in the media's coverage about this. They've actually been comparing Trump to Hitler for years now. Not really seeing how Donald Trump is compared to 
you know, one of literally the worst men that has ever walked the earth, literally burning people alive and gassing people and doing horrible, horrible things, just atrocities for uh, years and years on end. Um, causing one of the largest wars that the world has ever seen. But Donald Trump, of course, is exactly like him. Um, there are a lot of people on the left right now acting like Donald Trump is working hard to take over and to destroy democracy. And I'm here to tell you, that's just not true. Donald Trump is not acting the way that we would all prefer for him to act, right? Like, he's, of course, being a total dingus right now. He needs to go ahead and concede the election. He needs to stop saying that voter fraud is happening if he doesn't have any clear evidence that it's happening. But to say that Donald Trump is actively working to take over and become the dictator of the United States? Come on. Like, that takes zero scruples right there by the media to try and push something like that. They're not actually investigating anything. So, um... There's definitely, uh, there's actually, this was one of the funnier things I saw last week. Uh, there's a running list on multiple news media uh, uh, outlets right now that is a list of Republicans that have not called Joe Biden to congratulate him for his win. <laughs> Literally. I mean, how over the top is that? So the left is taking this. And they are running as far with it as they possibly can. They're basically like, we've only got another two months of make, blaming Trump for every ill that could possibly happen in the world, and we are going to take full advantage of it. Now, granted, I'm not sitting here defending the way that Trump is acting, because I don't think that Trump is acting the way that he should be acting, as I have been very clear to talk about on the past couple podcasts. But... To compare Trump to someone that is trying to take over and destroy America and then the world? Come on. That's ridiculous. So, meanwhile, the Republicans are still split. Most of them are starting to gravitate towards, all right, Trump's losing power here very soon. We need to start getting our ducks in a row if we're going to be able to, you know, keep our party together and figure out what our new identity is going to be. So, there are, of course, some that are saying they support Trump and believe that there was some voter fraud. Um, and there are definitely still some that are holding out hope that the election will be overturned. Uh, in fact, there was a poll that I did see. I can't quote the exact um, the exact place that the poll came from, but it came out and said that um, there was around 70 to 80 percent of Trump supporters believe that there was some sort of voter fraud that happened. Now, granted, that could have just been some random poll. I have no idea what it was, but I think it does kind of hint towards a lot of people that Donald Trump, like that follow Donald Trump definitely move uh, in the line of there could have been voter fraud there. But that doesn't necessarily mean that all of Republicans and all of the people that support Trump think that he needs to continue to stay in office or continue to be, to basically push back Joe Biden from stepping in to a new administration uh, if Joe Biden actually won, right? Like most Republicans are sitting here and they're being like, well, Joe Biden should be briefed on what he needs to be briefed on before coming into the administration because it appears right now that he won. Now, if a whole bunch of voter fraud is found and it's seen that Donald Trump actually won the election, and the election is overturned. Well, then no harm, no foul. Joe Biden just won't step into the presidency and Donald Trump will assume it. Right. But most Republicans, I think, right now are saying, well, Joe Biden still needs the information that he needs. So there's actually been multiple Republican senators, including uh, actually here in South Carolina, Lindsey Graham, which is very surprising because Lindsey Graham is like 
one of the biggest Trump guys ever. Like, in fact, that's probably one of the reasons why he hasn't been super popular across the country and why the Democrats worked so hard putting so much money into Jamie Harrison's campaign is because Lindsey Graham, like, loves Donald Trump. Like, if there is anybody Lindsey Graham loves besides himself, it's Donald Trump. But he is standing up and saying that Joe Biden actually needs to be given the information, the stuff that he needs to be able to get stuff processed because it looks like Donald Trump lost. So they're uh, coming out and saying that if by Friday Donald Trump has not activated the GSA to be able to give Biden the stuff that he needs to ease his transition into the new administration, then they're going to step in as Congress and make sure that it happens. Pretty interesting. Bottom line is, though, it is not crazy that a candidate wants to go through the legal system to make sure that there's no fraud, okay? There's nothing wrong with Donald Trump filing stuff in court, making sure that there is no fraud, and taking his time to be able to ensure that he lost the election fairly. Nothing wrong with that. It's also not unprecedented at all in taking a while in order to figure out who actually won the election. It took, uh, what, like 37 days in in the 2000 election to be able to figure out who actually won, uh, third, Trump is not Hitler. Okay. Come on. Trump is not Hitler. There's, uh, he's not actively working to destroy America and democracy. And also, yes, Biden has probably won. Okay. Also, Donald Trump needs to stop trying to push fake news and all this fake stuff that he doesn't know if it's actually true or not. Okay. All of those things can all be simultaneously true without you taking everything to the farthest extremes like some people are doing right now. We can work to find that middle ground where we're like, yes, okay, what do- how Donald Trump is acting is not the best, but no, he's not Hitler, okay? And we can also acknowledge that Biden probably won, pretty much won, and Donald- Biden needs the stuff that he needs in order to be able to step in and take over the new administration, right? There is a middle ground here. And I think that some people are trying to gravitate towards that, but of course you've got people on the, in the media and you've got Republicans on the far right side of the aisle that are acting like, I mean, just crazy sauce right now. So anyways, with all that being said, let's move on into our story number two. So our second story is pretty much the same story that we've been saying all year long. COVID is exploding. It has been exploding for the past, really the past couple of weeks, but now it is getting extremely out of hand and a lot of people are starting to get very, very worried. So right now for the past week or so, I think we've got nine or 10 days straight of over 100,000 new cases per day. Uh, The death toll is getting close to 250,000 in the United States alone. And there are a lot of states that are stepping in and starting to impose a fresh wave of new lockdowns, new restrictions that are coming through, whether it's uh, mandating masks or having new mask policies, uh, closing down bars, closing down restaurants. Uh, California, I believe, is starting to do it again. Ohio, which is run by a Republican governor is stepping in and saying that we're going to start locking things down and shutting things down again. Um, Cases are exploding. Hospitals are actually beginning to fill up in some major cities as well. Uh, The Mayo Clinic up in Ohio as well is actually uh, planning on starting to 
scale back a lot of elective surgeries here over the next couple of days and they're not seeing a, a decrease in the number of cases that are happening. So hospitalizations are going up, new cases are going up. And I mean, we are way, way beyond what where we were at in, you know, March, April, uh, May, June, and July. I mean, we are, I mean, we are exploding. So straight up at this point. Um, however, it does appear that death rates are kind of staying about where they were. And when I say death rates, I don't mean that nobody is dying. What I mean is the morbidity rate or the rate at which people are succumbing to COVID-19. Uh, for the most part, it's actually been staying about the same or going down a little bit. So it seems like we're getting a lot of new cases, but not a ton of new deaths. We are, of course, seeing deaths occur because when oh, especially the elderly get COVID-19, it absolutely can be deadly. But it is not nearly as deadly as we once thought in the beginning of the quarantine. And a lot of this, for the most part, is being curbed by the uh, much better treatment and somewhat better medicine that we have around uh, being able to you know, take care of someone when they have COVID-19. In the very beginning of quarantine and stuff, if you remember like back in February and March and April, the big thing was ventilators. We needed to have enough ventilators so that way when people got it, we could put them on the ventilator in the hospital and they would be, it would be able to hopefully save their life. Well, we found out very, very quickly that ventilators are actually not a good thing. For coronavirus, you don't want to put somebody on a ventilator. It's almost like the last, last like measure that you want to be able to have in place, meaning that they're probably going to pass away if you put them on a ventilator. So now we're starting to figure out how to treat it better, what we need to do in order to make sure that people are taken care of. Um, and you know, honestly, this is the exact same thing you're starting to see happen in Europe as well. Um, France and Germany both have. Uh, seen a large increase in cases. France especially had a huge lockdown within the past couple weeks. And I mean, they are locking it back down. Like it is exactly the way that it was earlier this year. Not a lot, a lot of people not even allowed to leave their houses and whatnot. So uh, things are getting shut down and enforced and pretty broad shutdowns across Europe, um, especially within the past month. And people are starting to get worried that we're going to start seeing the same thing in America. But um you know, we're not 100% sure yet that we're going to see that. So uh, here's actually Anthony Fauci talking a little bit about this. Um, he was on uh, Good Morning America uh, a day or so ago and uh, went in through and started talking about this. So let's, let's hop in and take a listen to what uh, Anthony Fauci has to say. There are certain fundamental, you know, baseline things that you can do. Universal and uniform wearing of masks, avoiding crowded congregate situations, keeping physical distance. Even though the weather is, you know, in the season of cool weather, try as best as possible to do things outdoors, preferentially over indoors, and wash your hands as frequently as you can. They sound very simple. And given, you know, the really very difficult challenge we're facing, one might think that that doesn't make any difference. It really does, Robin. We know that as a fact. We know that through experience. So that's Anthony Fauci right there basically just saying, all of the stuff that we have been saying will work for the past year will legitimately work. And we know that it works because we have proof that it works. But everyone has to do it. It can't just be a couple, like a portion of the population. It can't just be 50% of the population. It can't just be 30% or 70%. Like it's got to be all of us. Every single one of us have got to be washing our hands. 
Every single one of us have got to be, if we're doing stuff, do stuff outdoors, right? Every single one of us have to be wearing masks. Every single one of us have to be socially distancing properly. If we're able to do this type of stuff, then we're going to be able to keep ourselves from an incredible lockdown. And it really is mind-blowing to me that there are people out there that still believe that either the coronavirus is a hoax or that uh, face masks are bad, that you shouldn't wear face masks. And it's like... uh, I don't under like I don't understand why at this point it's such like just wear a face mask when you go out to a bar or when you go out somewhere just wear a face mask it's okay like just just put it on it'll be fine and like I get it I forget my face mask in my car almost every time that I get out of my car I gotta turn around and go back and grab it and go back in the store but it's worth it and what Anthony Fauci is pretty much saying is Unless we're able to get the vast majority of the country, almost the entire population, on board with taking all of these measures, then it's going to be really difficult for the coronavirus to go away anytime soon. And I do think that Trump has some of the blame to take on this. Donald Trump refusing to wear a mask or Donald Trump taking his mask off when he steps, gets up on the White House, you know, just after having the coronavirus, obviously it's probably still contagious. Like Donald Trump uh, dancing around and joking on stage and having the vast majority of his supporters like not required to wear masks. Donald Trump has some responsibility in this as well. Um, So he actually uh, later on in this interview goes through and talks a little bit about whether or not he believes that we're going to have to lock down again. Um, And he gives his answer on this right here. You know, I don't know. We would like to stay away from that, Robin, because there is no appetite for locking down uh, on the American public. But I believe that we can do it without a lockdown. I, I really do. I mean, sometimes when people talk about the measures that I'm suggesting we double down on, they equivocate that and say that, well, that that uh, makes that not uh, a lockdown. It isn't necessarily lockdown. You could still get businesses going. You could still have economic uh, forward thinking while you're doing that. You don't necessarily have to shut everything down. Hopefully, we won't have to do that. So Fauci is basically saying we don't have to lock the country down again. We're not in the place where we have to do it. We can keep businesses open. We can keep things going. But people have got to obviously double down on all the stuff that we've been preaching about for months. Um, I really do hope that this is true because some pretty scary, scary data and statistics have been coming out about the increases in alcoholism, the increases in drug overdoses and drug abuse, the increases in uh, narcotics addictions, the increases in depression and anxiety and suicide rates that this have happened, especially over the course of this entire year, but mainly through quarantine. I really hope that what Dr. Fauci is saying is true, and I, I really do believe that we don't need to lock down again as long as we are able to get people to you know follow the necessary protocol, especially if here within the next month or so we are able to start getting vaccines out and better treatments for the coronavirus. Um, we're going to have to trust that people actually do what they're supposed to do. We're going to have to trust that people, you know, take responsibility and uh, take responsibility for their own lives and for the people around them in order to be able to, uh, you know, wear their masks and act appropriately. But I do think that we're going to be able to push through this without having to have a mask. In fact, there's, or without having to have a shutdown, excuse me, do need a mask, always wear your mask. <laughs> but 
I think that there is still a portion on the left that is pushing for more lockdowns. That's not super popular anymore. Joe Biden has come out and said that he doesn't want to do full lockdowns, although he has said that he wants to make a mask mandate, require every single person to wear a mask throughout the country. Don't know how he'd enforce that, but... I mean, that's something that he's pushing. So we'll have to see all this, how all this starts to play out, especially now that we're getting in towards the winter months. Um, and, you know, flu season is actually coming around again as well. So it could kind of, you know, mix in for a really, really tough winter, depending on when better treatments and vaccines do start coming out. So with all of that having been said, let's move on into our story number three. So for our third story of the day, it is around a new social media app that has just taken the conservative party by storm. All of the coolest conservatives are on it. What's the name of it, you ask? Parlor, or maybe Parlay. I'm going to call it Parlor, but I have heard it pronounced both ways. Um, so it's gaining a ton of traction in the conservative community. It basically is like Twitter for the most part, but it allows quote unquote free speech. So the purpose of it is basically you can get on there, you can make your account and you can do and say pretty much whatever it is that you want to do. It's been around for a couple of months now. There have been people that have actually been getting on it before the election hit and everything hit. Ted Cruz, most notably, was one of like the, uh, I guess, not first people, but he was a pretty famous Republican that got on it and was like, I'm tired of them shutting me down on Twitter, so I'm going to go over to another social media app so I can say whatever it is that I want to say. A ton of conservatives have been saying that Twitter especially is shutting down conservative voices, and they've got a decent point. If anybody remembers, all the way back, like, Three weeks ago, the Hunter Biden story that broke, nobody, nobody, Twitter shut it down completely. Facebook shut it down completely. Uh, it was an obvious attempt at trying to slow down news that would otherwise hurt Joe Biden. And I mean, Twitter honestly wasn't even like, they didn't even come through and be like, oh, you know, we're really, really sorry that this happened. They were more of just like, oh, maybe we should have been a little bit more clear. It's like, well, no, I don't know. Like, you haven't discredited anything in the story. They still haven't come out and discredited anything in the story. You just kind of didn't want the story to circulate. And a lot of conservatives are not happy about that. So they're going off to their own social media app. And uh, nobody really knows how it's pronounced. So this is um, this is another <laughs> this is a uh, uh, news uh, on CNBC went through and uh, did a little bit about basically Parler and like what it is and uh, how it's kind of catching up to Twitter a little bit, all of its growth. It's seen incredible growth since the election. So listen to this real quick. Good morning to you, Andrew. Well, in the wake of Twitter and Facebook placing warnings on some of the president's posts, conservative social media app Parler, and I'm going to call it Parler, surged to the top of the Apple and Google app stores in the past week. Censored Tower estimates that Parler was downloaded over 2 million times across the U.S. app store and Google Play the week after the election. That's more than 30 times higher than the prior week, with approximately 5.4 million installs total. Now, Parler doesn't release daily user numbers but its downloads are still a fraction of Twitter's 36 million monetizable daily active users in the U.S. and Facebook's nearly 200 million across the U.S. and Canada. Right. So basically the election happened. And after the election, Trump started tweeting almost every single day that there was all this rampant voter fraud and all this stuff was all this crazy stuff was happening and all these election booths and ballot boxes and everything. Well, Twitter went through 
and started labeling all of Trump's tweets about that with this has not been verified. They basically put in a little tag on it to say, like, you know, this may not be true. Honestly, kind of fair. I don't I don't really love the idea of Twitter doing that because I don't want for them to be the arbiters of truth. But uh, Donald Trump was going on and just putting a whole bunch of crazy stuff. So Twitter was like, well, we're going to stop this. We're going to at least put a label on there to say that this is disputed. Well, conservatives are looking at that and they're like, who are you, Twitter, to decide what is true? Donald Trump says and he claims that he has evidence for all of this. And I think that the election actually was fraudulent in a lot of ways. So I think it's, it's not fair for you, Twitter, to say what's true and what isn't true. So they decide to go over to Parler. So Parler, their whole shtick is basically like, you can come over here and say whatever it is that you want to say. You've got total free speech. You can talk to who you want to talk to. You don't have to worry about being silenced. You don't have to worry about cancel culture. You don't have to worry about, uh, you know, the Twitter mob coming after you. You can come on over here to us. You know, your conservative opinions or whatever your opinions are, they're safe here, right? I don't think that it was originally made for conservatives, right? But the conservatives have basically just taken it up because they feel like they it's a new place where they can, you know, say whatever they want to say. So it, bottom line is, here begins the crumbling of all of this social media into a bunch of different apps, basically divided up into different political groups or different groups that you identify with. So that way you can only hear everything it is that you want to hear, even more so than what the algorithms are already giving you. If you go on any of these social media platforms, the only stuff that you're being fed all day, every day, is all the stuff that you want to be fed. So it's just constantly reinforcing your opinions. We all know this. We know this is how the algorithms for all these social media companies work. Well, it becomes even worse when you're going on a social media app where the only people that are on the app are people that agree with you. So you're going to have a conservative app in Parler. You're going to have a liberal app in Twitter. You're going to have a libertarian app in, I don't know, some other random app. Okay. And eventually everything is going to start getting just broken down and segmented out so that you're not ever listening to opinions that are outside of the opinions that you want to hear. That's not good. You need to hear things that contradict what you believe, and you need to hear things that kind of test your beliefs. I am a big, I'm a firm believer in looking at both sides. Obviously, I run this podcast. So I want to be able to look at stuff from both the left side of the aisle and the right side of the aisle. And Social media oftentimes makes it pretty difficult to do that. They don't like it when you're saying, oh, I want to be able to have a good mix of a bunch of different things. They would much rather be able to kind of pigeonhole you because then they can feed you more and more and more extreme content from exactly what it is that you want to hear. Well, that's what's going to end up happening if people start devolving into different social media apps completely. It's just going to exacerbate that even more. I also think that it is hilarious because Parler has already taken, Parler, which is all about free speech, has already taken actions and have already, there have already been cases where users have been banned from posting things. So obviously the idea of having totally unfettered free speech on apps sounds fantastic until you have people posting a whole bunch of awful things on there like pornography or, uh, you know, 
awful like killings or you know graphic content all of that stuff like free speech on those apps totally unfettered sounds great until terrible things start getting posted and then everyone on the app is like well i'm not going to be on this app anymore you guys need to you need, you need to stop that you need to quell that from happening and then you know the social media apps probably going to look at its users and be like i thought you guys said you wanted free speech so the last thing, basically, that we need to, for, to happen, right, is for people to just continue to break off into further divided groups on social media apps. Then what will end up happening is we have people posting screenshots of what other people say. So we're going to have people on Twitter going on to Parler, grabbing screenshots from Parler from what conservatives say, posting it on Twitter, taking them even further out of context, and then just throwing everything into more disarray. That's going to lead to further mischaracterizations, lead to more fear-mongering, it's going to lead to more division, it's going to lead to more strife, and seriously, you guys have got to go watch The Social Dilemma because it talks all about this. Now, I'm not saying that obviously there needs to be restricted to only a couple of social media apps. Like you can create whatever social media you want. And if you want to attract specific users, totally within your right to do that. But there needs to be some type of regulation around these social media companies that holds them lot either a holds them liable for uh, incorrect things or things that have not been proven, libelous, slanderous things, just in the same way that publishing or news companies have to be held liable for it. Or they have to basically just be like, we're not going to allow any type of free speech at all, and you have to categorize them as something completely different. Okay, There's got to be some sort of regulation put in place here, and there's got to be regulation about the algorithms themselves that are further uh, dividing people and causing further mischaracterizations and further misinformation. There obviously is not nearly enough stuff being done by these social media companies. There needs to be some sort of regulation in place in order to be able to stop some of this from happening. It's scary what you're seeing happening. And when you see it divide off into further social media, other social media sites like it's just going to get worse. Um, so personally, I don't have a parlor account. I haven't gotten on there. I personally don't love social media, period. I actually had to make Instagram and all the all the stuff in order to be able to get this podcast started up. I barely know how to work any of it. If it wasn't for my wife, I would have no idea how to work Instagram at all. <laughs> but I, maybe I'm just a weirdo. Obviously, I know that most people love and enjoy social media. And a lot of people honestly look at social media now and say that it's a right, that it's a right for them to have it. But um, we need to be able to have conversation that is civil, that is, you know, beneficial, that is not going to be further dividing to the country and having people just split off and make their own apps to be able to get away from stuff that they don't want to hear is the opposite of what we need to happen. We need to be okay with hearing opinions that we don't like. And we also need to be willing and able to have conversation that is difficult and that just needs to be had. So with all of that, let's head on into our last thing, our last segment, my favorite segment, something that made me smile. So something that made me smile this week is the Masters. So if y'all don't follow golf, that's okay. Understand golf can I sometimes be boring to watch, but the Masters is awesome. And it is back in action on TV Thursday through Sunday. Y'all have got to stop in and watch it. The course is absolutely beautiful. I was definitely disappointed when they didn't allow everybody to play in April. I totally understood why, but 
I've been looking forward to the Masters for months now, and nobody's ever really seen Augusta in November. I was like, oh my gosh, I wonder what the course is going to look like. It, of course, is still absolutely beautiful, and all of the best guys are out there playing. You got John Rahm, you got DeChambeau out there, you got Tiger Woods out there. All the guys are out there just killing it right now, so you got to definitely stop in and take a, take a little watch, take a little listen on the Masters if you haven't already. It's going to be a ton of fun to see uh, everything play out over this weekend because it is by far one of the most exciting golf events of the entire year. Um, and the course is just absolutely gorgeous. So uh, definitely watch it. I know that I have enjoyed watching the little bit that I've gotten, I've been able to watch of it. So um, definitely watch it and, you know, enjoy yourself. Have a beer and enjoy some good relaxing golf. Everybody likes that. That's just fun, right? Just good stuff. So with all that being said, that is the show. Thank you for stopping in tonight or today, I guess. Thank you for checking us out. If you're new, um, please drop us a like, give us a subscribe. If you can find us on Instagram at split the difference podcast with one T I'm on Facebook at split the difference. I'm on YouTube at split the difference. And my website is split the Check me out, go and see what everything is all about. If you like it and you enjoy it, then share it around with your friends and your family. Join in on us as a community as we're doing our best to try and bring a little bit of unity in all of the chaos and look at both sides of the aisle and recognize the good and the bad and you know, see what we can do to be able to bridge that gap in the middle. Remember, as always, to stay level-headed, to stay reasonable, and to do your best to split the difference. This is Austin Taylor.